Hello and welcome to the Speak Female podcast, the podcast that is on a mission to empower, coach and educate women as well as allies around the world to become more confident, knowledgeable and to have the opportunity to listen to real subjects that they can either relate to or learn something from. Speak female as a term is defined by changing the meaning around words, phrases and stereotypes that tend to have a negative association towards women. Speak female is about how we can and will edit the narrative to build a value community with a goal to see justice in the world. I'm your host, Lucy Grimwade, and I wear many hats where I think and encourage others to think outside of the box. I'm an ICF qualified coach, senior IT improvement manager, and of course, audio and visual podcaster. For season three, I have introduced panel style conversations on topics such as leadership, confidence and menopause. This is alongside a couple of interviews with incredible women doing incredible things. Now let's speak female. Welcome back to the Speak Female podcast. In this episode, we are talking about the impact of the pandemic that it has had on our working relationships. I'm joined by Tracy James, who is a team and leadership and a life and career coach from Bright Yellow Coaching. I'm also joined by Abby Douglas, senior consultant working in a boutique recruitment firm, finding great careers for great people. And Mary Ann Fleming, head of technology at Monsoon and is working hard to improve diversity in technology. So welcome, ladies, and I'm going to dive right right in. So we are all from different uh, roles, industries, and now countries. And I want to kind of start the conversation by asking, what impact has the pandemic had on your relationship with work? And Tracy, I'm going to come to you first on that one. Hmm. I mean, my experience is a little bit different because I'm self-employed. So I'd already kind of gone through the not having a team, being on my own and having to find different ways of connecting with people. But for me, it was more of a a positive shift. I'm a bit of a self-confessed workaholic. And what it gave me was the opportunity to um, just be free from where I was working. So I I moved my whole business to completely virtual. Um, And that's enabled me to move abroad and do a year of being a digital nomad it's allowed me I've kind of benefited from the merged boundaries because it's my business um you know I can merge my work and life even easier now because I'm not leaving my seat um so I've really enjoyed lunch with my husband never thought I'd enjoy his company as much as I have actually it's one of the things that's kind of making me want to keep the business as, as virtual um but it's also at times made me feel a bit kind of uh, stuck with it, uh, stuck to the chair. So uh, my ways of working have shifted significantly. The technology I'm using uh, shifted significantly. But my my emotional relationship with work, I, I'm missing um, I'm missing that face to face connection with people. I, I'm missing the the kind of uh, the different scenery that you get and the inspiration, the creativity you get from being out in in different places and the the more incidental meetings with people so yeah I'd say net very freeing but I'm definitely feeling I'm at a point where I need to make some more intentional choices to move it into the next phase of okay so how do I how do I reintegrate this a little bit into the real world Uh, Marianne I'll come to you next 
It's really interesting that Tracy mentioned the emotional relationship with work because that's what I've missed most. Um, but what it has done is completely free us from that retail myth that you have to be present to be working. Um, I know with shop floor, of course, you can't work from home on your shop floor, but that culture pervades throughout retail and it's simply not true. And I've seen such levels of productivity from my very reduced team um, over the pandemic that you know, all I can do is, is praise. We were asked to pick out you know, our star player and I said, I can't because nobody hasn't gone above and beyond. So I think it has given us this wonderful freedom to choose where we work and to make very conscious choices about going into the office to say, why am I going in? And it's to have those casual conversations, those chance encounters to collaborate. But when I've got to work my way through a budget, there's absolutely no point in me being in the office. And it's been so freeing from that perspective. But I would say that's partly because I'm senior enough and I've got a big enough house to do that. If you're in shared accommodation, so I look at my son, he's 26 in a shared flat, that's not so much fun because he sits at the kitchen table, his flatmate walks behind him. It's, this is much more difficult for younger people. Um, so I think we kind of need to respect their loss of that. You know, I met my husband at work. Um, where are they going to meet people? I mean, <laughs> we weren't allowed to meet anyone for a while, but that's not the point. So I think they, I think my age group, in, 50s we've massively changed our lives for the better in a balanced balanced way allowing us to stay at home we're healthy so we were less at risk we got the jabs early you know it's really positive for us but I would question whether sort of kids in the sixth form through to maybe you know the first five years of their career that's sort of 16 to 30 age group I think they've missed a lot from not being at work I think that's really hard on them and Abby I'll come to you next as well so, yeah, I mean, I agree for me personally, the whole pandemic gave me a degree of flexibility at work that I never imagined I'd get. Um, I always was just kind of content with my Monday to Friday, nine to five. I never considered working from home because, I mean, as you just said, Marianne, I don't really have the space for it. I mean, I have made space for it, but previously where it wasn't like a regular thing, I didn't really think to make space. So I was content going to the office. Um, I was furloughed for a bit as well, um, which made a massive difference to my life. And then when I went back to the office and did a mixture, um, yeah, it was something that I had never thought would actually have such a great impact on me. And it just meant it was things like when my my little girl was sick earlier in the year, I didn't have to take the whole day off work. She just kind of laid in the bed in the bedroom with me and I could be there with her, but not feel like I was like sort of losing out on a day's of, day of work, you know when I might need that day another time when I'm sick or you know it's it was just the flexibility the right me measures but I mean I, I love going into the office for me personally the office environment is what I enjoy I love meeting my colleagues it breaks up my day a bit but having that option that the pandemic has given us now showing companies that people can work from home if they need to and can still get that work done and pre be productive I think that's definitely had a massive impact on myself and I know other people but also I do agree with what you said Marianne about for the younger generation I think for people starting in roles and coming into sort of I know in my sort of my last previous role we were bringing new people in and I think if you're doing that all remotely is it just doesn't work as well I think you need people to be able to come into an environment where there's not just 
one or two people working in an office where there's an office full of people and they can meet people and get to know people and, and find out about the culture I mean that's something that you can't you can't really get a feel for over a video call you can't understand the culture of a company virtually um and yeah I, I do think there's a bit of an element of that that for younger people it's not been ideal but for me as I said the the flexibility is something that I think even the company would never have considered previously it was like if you had to work from home it was like if you have to absolutely have to but now it's just so much more open so much more flexible and you can feel relaxed you can feel relaxed if you've got the plumber coming and you you know you can't it's the middle of the day and you can't sort of work work around it it is definitely a lot more flexible easier and yeah just a lot less stressful really and I really agree with all what you you've all said there and I think it's amazing what technology has enabled us to do and Abby exactly what you were just saying there there there's some kind of organizations and I saw Marianne you nodding your head there as well around how they didn't want you to work from home how you know it's bums on seats it was that kind of presenteeism that you know we've just been talking about and uh, it's just amazing that actually the infrastructure was there all along it's just it's it's just taken a you know a small thing like a pandemic (laughs) to to kind of kick us off Marianne. Interesting that you mentioned the technology, because certainly you and I have worked in technology roles. Um, Tracy, I think you have as well to some extent. So technology is always, and certainly in a retail environment, are seen as the a cost centre, um, a, a drag on the business. Um, oh, we can't do it because tech won't let us. You know, every project's a million pounds a year. It's all that kind of um, tropes about what we do. Suddenly, we are absolutely the enablers of the business because as you said it was always there office 365 was sitting there waiting to be used teams was there waiting to be used on zoom or whatever and um now suddenly we are business enablers not just a big old cost drain yeah tracy what's your view as a as an ex kind of cto level decision maker it was absolute music to my ears to hear so many people being kind of forced to use all the applications that we've had in it for all these years that people we're really resistant to, you know, very suspicious of teams, not wanting to do video calls. We've had video conferencing facilities for donkey's years. I mean, since before I entered the workplace and trying to get people to find their way with that technology has been really difficult. So it's been lovely to see people being forced to embrace that to an extent, but also quite fascinating to see the, the limits of it as well. And I think what we've all established, it's that personal, interpersonal relationships, interpersonal connections that we cannot get. You know, it, it is a bit more stunted. It's very functional. It does enable, you know, lots of business function, but business culture has been the big thing that has suffered and connection and, and loyalty and engagement therefore with an organization you know some people have joined the business over the last 18 months and have never met their boss or their colleagues and the levels of loyalty and team feel i i sense they're different and i i think it's creating um more uh, kind of uh, openness to moving on and leaving and changing jobs because it's just the job it's a functional relationship rather than those lovely um, immersive team relationships that we get so I think it's quite interesting on one hand my tech brain very happy with the use of tech but I think we've all got to be realistic as to what that means and as we start reintegrating back into the office it's not just a case of let's just do this really quickly I think it's a two or three year culture change program that every business needs to really think about and, and get everyone in the business on board to make sure it's done right for everyone 
And Tracy, I just want to pick up on something you said right at the beginning around boundaries. And I would like to ask you all individually here around how are you managing your boundaries? Because I know from my own view and those that know me well, I'm always working. I'm always at my desk. I'm either on my phone. I set up a little desk area in my lounge. And yeah, I'd love to know how have you worked on your boundaries? Abby, I'll come to you first on that one. I think this is this is something I really struggled with at first. Um I mean, do you know, actually at first I was working from my kitchen table. So I kind of had to, at the end of the day, shut off, put everything away. And and that was actually all right. Um, but it, it just felt very rigid. And then I moved sort of, I got, I got myself a bit of an office set up and then it kind of went the other way and I was kind of just logged on all the time. So it was trying to find that balance in between. I mean, recruitment's a little bit different as well because recruitment's not nine to five it's not Monday to Friday and sometimes you kind of need to be dipping in in at other times and having your phone on you're you're checking your emails um but for me I mean I'm quite lucky because I'm because I'm a mum to a young girl it's you know I have to be present with her when when she's home I have to that's kind of like my you know my nudge my prompt to shut off from work and be present but yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's finding a balance. And I think where you are at home, there is that flexibility to do a little bit extra or to, you know, kind of, but it's trying to limit yourself and not not letting it consume your evening, not kind of logging onto your emails and then getting sucked into doing something else and something else and something else. And then before you know it, it's 10 o'clock at night and you're kind of, you know, your evening's gone. And again, that was something that I did. I started sort of doing a lot of social media and I thought, oh, you know, Rust, I've just got 10 minutes, I'll just log on and do this. And then I actually would just get sort of sucked into a black hole of it. But um yeah, I think at the end of the day, it was I was really lucky that I had that kind of draw from my daughter to kind of shut off and and have that excuse not to not to sort of get too engrossed in what I was doing outside of my working hours but yeah I can definitely I can definitely see how it can happen and I, it definitely was a, a bit of a balancing act in, in the beginning. Marianne what about you? It's, it's really interesting because I think those boundaries were being eroded anyway by technology pre-pandemic you could have your phone you could have your email wherever you were your team's messages were coming through text messages whatsapp groups all the rest of it and I think we were already blurring in a very detrimental way, our boundaries of, you know, work life. And I, I mean, I don't like that phrase particularly, but, you know, that balance um, was already being eroded. What the work from home thing did for me was that we had to, as a family, talk about what was and wasn't acceptable. Um, my partner's always been very like, stop. He was, he's very good at making me not do it. And because we had three kids here as well, so exactly as Abby says, there's a pull from your family that says, come and talk to me now. And so we stuck to that. We have lunch together. Not often, but we do. We say, you know, have you got time for lunch today? Which is just lovely. And we stop. And we, but we, it was a conscious thing that said. The other thing, though, that worried me was, like, am I showing too much of myself? You know, I'm sitting in my dining room here. And anyone who's been on a video call with me knows that there's an, the wall behind me is very telling. It says, I love colour. It tells you that the Beatles are a bit of a thing in this house. It tells you that there's some kind of connection to Denmark because of the flags behind me. And for a lot of time, I was blanking out my background and not letting people see that. And I thought, but this is us. This, why shouldn't they? And I've been much more authentic over this time because I've let people into my home. But I come back to, is that right for young women, young people? Because if you're sitting on your bedroom and you've got your CEO in your bedroom, that's not so great. 
so I think it's it for different people it's more or less comfortable that thing but I think it's about putting boundaries for yourself as well and and looking after yourself yeah brilliant and, and Tracy what about boundaries for you yeah I mean personally I, I, boundaries are something that I have to be very conscious of as a coach anyway before the pandemic and it's always been very considered in terms of what I let in and what I don't into my coaching space so that's that's always been something I've had to think about I I guess what I've noticed particularly in my client base is a real turbulence around boundaries I remember when when the pandemic first started we had this everyone was on zoom calls constantly weren't we? we were kind of loads of training being thrown at us and we were on zoom quizzes and all sorts and then there was a dip it was around the July I think June July and suddenly Everyone was turning up with dirty hair and, you know, in their PJs and not really turning on cameras. And then I think there was a, okay, this is here to stay. So actually I need to rethink what the professional me looks like in that little black square that I've been allocated now. And I think most people have found a good balance with that. But what I'm noticing a shift to right now is a real burnout. Um, I would say probably 70% of my client base are showing symptoms of burnout and I think it's it's not only the the boundary of having work in the home but also the way that we're working in the home we're on zoom meetings back to back we're expected to be more productive because we're not in the office and I think that that's a real a real challenge and companies and individuals are being forced to look at what their relationship is with that is it okay would you accept that um you know, not being seen as online in teams for 20 minutes while you get a cup of tea and talk to your husband in the kitchen is is a threat to your credibility as a manager if you were in the office and you went to get a cup of tea and you bumped into a colleague and, you know, you, you wouldn't. So I think there's stuff that we, we still need to net out a bit there and also just find a respect for the difference. You know, like, like we've said, if you're sat at the end of your bed in a bedsit, working remotely perhaps you have slightly different boundaries to what's going on in the background to someone um, who's in a more comfortable environment um, and you know hasn't hasn't got anything going on so I, I think it's an interesting one from a managerial and a leadership perspective which is where a lot of my interest is you know there's always a question there around how much of myself am I sharing to my team and my direct reports and what does that do for those difficult conversations and I think equally from a direct report perspective I've been working with people who have been laid off virtually on zoom you know it's just we couldn't have imagined this previous to um what's gone on and the the impact of that conversation over zoom and then just turning off the screen and then just being left in your bedroom on your own is just the the mental health impacts of, of those kind of boundaries I think are ones that are fascinating, ones that we all need to attend to both as, as managers and fellow kind of citizens within our organisations trying to look after people's needs there. Abby? I just thinking on that topic, it, it is really one of the things that I would say that I really missed when I shifted to the full working from home is I'm very lucky I don't have much of a commute. I walk to work and it's a sort of 15 to 20 minutes, but actually realising that at the start of my day, that 15, 20 minutes gave me a bit of headspace to get ready for work. And then after the end of the day, especially if I've had a bad day or a stressful day, that sort of 20 minute walk home gave me the time to clear my head so that when I got home, I wasn't kind of still raging or stressed or anxious or, or and you know, I had that little bit of headspace. And I appreciate for a lot of people taking the commute out was kind of 
heavenly and it was great and they didn't have this sort of long part of the day but also at the same time I think there's too much there's such a thing as being at home too much and I think we completely just you know didn't realize how much getting out to work like you say does impact your mental health like getting out of the house for me my fitness levels dropped like like massively my I was doing the walking on my lunch breaks I'd be out walking whereas then I suddenly went from just being sat in my house all day and my only exercise was going up and down the stairs to the kitchen um and that yeah again that had a massive impact on my mental health and so I was trying to kind of get my walking in in the evening and again that was sort of impacting my my balance as well so yeah I think that was that was something that I hadn't really thought about until I was literally at home all day every day and suddenly I was sick of my own house and I was fed up of being inside and yeah and it was just yeah I definitely think there's that element of it although I know commuting isn't kind of ideal and you know people are really enjoying the fact that they're not adding an extra hour or so onto their workday from it but I do think also sort of the getting out of the house element of being in the office or being in the workplace is a really positive thing and if you can find that balance in the week where you're doing kind of a bit of both I think that's a a really great outcome you know if you can get that flexibility and that balance so that you're doing a bit of both and it's kind of leveling evening itself out I think that's really important. Marianne I'll come to you next. Just to pick up on Abby's point about the, that break in the day, so I'm one of the Uber commuters. I live in Essex. I work in Shepherd's Bush. So it's sort of a, a two-hour uh, door-to-door journey, which was my choice, you know, maybe a, a stupid choice, but I knew what I was doing when I took the job on. So that taking that two hours, that, either, that four hours of commuting out of my day has been a blessing, but I have lost that little bit of headspace. And Abby, you're absolutely right. That That bit that says... I need to switch is really important and the fitness level that for me has been horrific because I have quite a walk from the tube to the office you're up and down the stairs you you know all those sort of things when you sit at your table in your house all day my my apple watch constantly tells me you know it's you know are you still alive and and (laughs) and this is flashing head you know it buzzes at me and goes you haven't moved what's wrong with you on the days I'm in the office, and I'm in about two days a week now, I smash every target because I'm not trying. It's just natural. And that, for me, is the biggest downside, that my fitness has dropped, my weight's gone up. I don't like my physical presence at the moment, whereas mentally I think I've got a better balance. So it's, it, it's been a strange mixture of positive and negative. And, and um, yeah, I don't want to work from home all the time, that's for sure. You know, you can get sick of it. Tracy. I call it the commute buffer and it's something actually that's come up in a lot of my coaching work with my clients is how can you replace that um who knew that the commute actually had more of a <laughs> more of a value than it does but um yeah working with clients to make that more intentional you know having a little um routine of shutting down the laptop clearing the desk moving out of the space whatever you can do doing something energetic physically changing your presence and and um, your energy to then get you in a mindset where you can then re-enter the home in a different space Um, some clients even take themselves out of the house walk around the block do a kind of commute to then get back in the house and I I think it, it helps with those interpersonal relationships at home as well when you are you know in that kind of end of the day 
boss babe type <laughs> vibe and then walk into the kitchen and they're trying to deal with family life or whatever is going on in there you really kind of need something to have ejected you into that different mindset so yeah meet buffers needed really agree with with what you're saying there and it's something I had introduced into my kind of routine recently that in the morning I'll get up and I'll go for a walk even if it's just like 10 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes I just finished reading the 5am club and no I didn't get up at 5am by the way (laughs) does not work for me I tried it just decided it's not for me um it was saying at the end around at the end of your day is to have that walk and exactly Tracy what you're saying there is to kind of shut everything down, go for a walk. Again, even if you just step outside your front door or put your head outside the window and just kind of breathe in some air and then you can kind of go back and just kind of setting that kind of, I've now finished work. I'm now going to kind of have my relaxing time and be be home. Um, there's something that I did want to ask you as well is that I, I read recently on the LinkedIn article around, are we kind of letting too mu- too many people into our homes? Are we giving too much out there? And Marianne, you did kind of mention upon it around, you know, your backdrop and what you've got around there. I want to get your view because it it was a really interesting read around some people were like, yes, you've got to have a a different kind of backdrop, you know, make sure it's plain, white, et cetera. And other people were like, no, just kind of be who you are. Be interested to kind of get your your views on that. Marianne, I'll come to you first on that, if that's okay. It it certainly gave me a lot of thought at the beginning because... um especially because most of my colleagues seem to live in white houses with white... I mean, really? Do you all live in white houses? And, and uh, my... I mean, this room is incredibly colourful. No, right, good. Lucy's got a blue one. My other wall in this room is gold, and it's all, you know, there's, it's, it's very, very bright, and the whole house is like that. And I was very worried about people being judgy uh, about me. And then I thought, hold on a second. I... Many of my colleagues are also friends. I would happily invite them to my house. And if they want to be a good old judge, well, great, fine. We're all different. And, and so I kind of let it go a bit from that. And I, I always have my background on. I have noticed some of our corporate, some of our suppliers will be very corporate and they've obviously been told to have their corporate backgrounds. And I think that's fine. It's not an issue. Um, but um, interesting, Abby, or somebody mentioned about letting people go over Zoom calls. Should you put a plain background on if you're going to have bad? You know, I feel my background's probably a bit inappropriate if I'm going to let somebody go. But there's been lovely things as well. Seeing people's cats. That every time, you know, my God, bring the cat in. I'll have a chat about the cat. And seeing the kids and knowing that other people have 700 Amazon deliveries a week. And, you know, some of it's very, um, it feels um, friendly and open and authentic. Um, and that's something I've had to think a lot about over the last year about how authentic am I and I think I am more authentic now because I've had to let people into my space. I'll come to you. I think um, I mean work-wise I was really lucky because the company I've been working with through most of the pandemic the culture there is extremely friendly everybody kind of is on really good terms with each other we have these great annual uh, you know parties so everybody's on good terms into so on company calls and with colleagues it wasn't something that I really had to worry too much about and I think also I'm not the kind of person where 
I mean, from the start, I said to myself, I'm not going to sit here in my pajamas. I am going to get dressed. I am going to kind of make a little bit of an effort. I mean, I'm not going to say I was done up every day. I'm not even when I go into the office, but I didn't want to kind of go down that route of being sat in my dressing gown. I think I did once, but I was really unwell. So uh, (laughs) I think that's all right. But um, no, I I was quite lucky. But then actually, as I've come into sort of a new role now, um, I do I think I do feel a little bit more conscious about it um, just because I don't know people as well. So I guess it probably kind of depends on how your relationship with your colleagues and clients and sort of you know I had I had the cat my cat was always you know as soon as I'd have a video call she'd be on you know on my keyboard like desperate for a bit of attention and actually that was something really nice like one of me and my colleague had very regular video calls and I'd always be showing her what the cat's up to because she was such a character um but yeah, I think sort of in my new role where I don't know my colleagues maybe quite as well. I mean, I'm quite lucky that I'm in the office a lot with them, but um, I'm also doing a lot more video calls with um, clients. And I think where I haven't built those relationships just yet, I'm a lot more conscious of it. So I am sort of being a little bit more wary of what I'm showing at home. I mean, it is it is a bit difficult. I mean, I've actually done quite well today. I've moved my laptop around, so I'm behind a curtain. But to work physically, I wouldn't be able to work like this. So actually, on a normal day, I've got my dressing gowns and everything hanging on the door behind me, which isn't ideal. I think if I had a lovely background like Marianne, I would definitely be a bit more comfortable with it. But yeah, dressing gowns probably not what everyone wants to see. So I, I tend to have it either on blur or sort of a, a different background. But yeah, I think, like I say, I think a lot of it comes down to the relationships you have with the people you're calling. I mean, there's some people who I wouldn't, it wouldn't phase me, like what they saw. And then there's some people who, when I haven't quite reached that level of comfort with them, I would definitely be a lot more conscious about it. Um, Yeah, and I I just think, but I I have found it really nice to see kind of different people's environments and different people's cultures. And I've loved seeing people's kids and like Marianne said, people's pets and cats. And I've just felt, you know, it actually really enhanced my relationship with some of my colleagues um, last year. And I thought that we actually got to know each other a lot better. Like I said, like talking about things like my cat or when Callie came in. And I thought that was really positive. But I do think sort of you've got to be kind of conscious of who it is you're speaking with and kind of how much you want them to see and what level your relationship's at at that point. I see. Yeah, it's an interesting one, this, isn't it? Uh, I mean, the fact is we are all collecting data and information about what we see in front of us. And we are, you know, making aspersions and deductions based on, on what we see. So, and it's not to say that there's any right or wrong, but that is happening. So I, I think if you're talking in a work perspective depending on what image you're trying to put across um, and you know perhaps your position in the organization I I do think it needs consideration I've been on some calls where you can see people are obviously not very tidy and there's all sorts of chaos going on behind them and your immediate thought is how can they organize this big project thing if they can't just organize that tiny little piece of their home you know so it does even when you're kind of trying to hold judgment on those things it does seep into how you influence other people so as much as I'd love to be all uh, kind of very liberal about this it, we can't change human nature um, but I don't think we should be creating kind of corporate templates here I think it's down to individual choice if you don't don't have 
aspirations to you know work on exec presence and you're quite happy with what you're putting out and you're you're comfortable with the people that you're working with and what's behind you great I think you should be allowed to do that but I do think it's a personal personal choice and remember it is a choice to kind of be curate what you show um, in the same way that you would with someone face to face <laughs> um, you know we all we all present ourselves we show up for an interview or we show up for work we are curating a version of ourselves for the office I think it's very acceptable to do the same thing virtually you know Marianne um Tracy's used the word intentional twice and um, you've talked about curation. I think that's really, really interesting. Something I'm going to take away from this podcast to think about a little bit because um, you're absolutely right that, that you are giving people uh, the opportunity to draw deductions about you from what your background is. And certainly I know when I've looked at someone who's got a stack of washing up behind them, I'm like, could you not put that away? But that's because I'm really OCD about putting the washing up away. So I'm projecting my values onto them. Um, but um, I think as well the industry matters because if you think about a buying a merchandise or if you're fashion retail, it's just rails and rails and rails of clothes and there's samples and there's there's um, sequins and there's you know it's absolute chaos and that in real life is what fashion retail is like. So I think for someone in my position, this is a bit more human. You know that IT are seen as as the weird people in the basement. This proves we're not. But I agree that your, your context is really important. There's a curation aspect. And I am going to take that away from this because I think that's a really interesting thought about, you know, what's my intention in this? I also liked how we, when we were talking about um, are we letting too much in there, what I've taken away is some of the stuff that is situational. So, Abby, when you're kind of meeting a new client for the first time, maybe you'd want your kind of company backdrop. When I'm coaching a client, I perhaps wouldn't have my array of handbags that are behind me at the moment here, which everyone comments on. Um, I'd probably move my camera around slightly just to kind of perhaps have the whiter wall behind me. So I think for me, I'm already taking away, actually, I need to be a bit more conscious of my situation and who I am speaking to not changing who I am I'm still showing up as me but I'm just respecting that person that conversation especially when you're having those difficult conversations like what you were saying there Marianne and that's kind of leading me on to um thinking about uh what companies could be doing or should be doing to kind of help and empower kind of us as we kind of go through this ever-changing world that we're currently living in around working from home should we all be going back to the office now 100% full time when we're allowed to what what's the kind of thoughts and feelings around how companies can empower and enrich people's lives now as we do step back into normality Tracy I'll come to you, you first on that if that's okay mm, fascinating I was reading a, um, a McKinsey article which I might share with you maybe, maybe we can put it in the show notes around um, some of the thinking on how, how organizations are approaching this. And, and the, the main premise of what they were talking about is that this is not a short-term transition. This is not a, okay, it's back to work, come on then. Uh, we'll do three days a week, sorted. Actually, what we have is a two, three, maybe four-year culture change transformation project here that needs to be managed in line with corporate aspirations, company values, um, the, the wants of the people within the organisation. And I think that's putting a lot of pressure on middle managers. 
um, the, the people that are responsible for the layers of humans that are within their teams and how they enable them and facilitate them from performing at their best, both through meeting their personal needs. And, you know, we're already seeing, uh, I think in America, they're calling it the great resignation, you know, people leaving as they are asked, okay, from September the 15th, we are now all back in the office three days a week or four days a week and people are going, uh, hang on a minute, I'm really enjoying doing my school pickup or I've moved to another part of the country that's not going to work for me. So yeah, I, I think time and intention and really considering what aligns with our business, what have we enjoyed over the last 18 months, how has this benefited our organisation and what has suffered and how do we as a group, not us as a a top level exec team, but how do we, all of the human beings in this organization, recontract and create a new agreement for how we operate in this new world? And there is no, there's no playbook for this. Corporate organizations, yes, have been very virtual uh, just by necessity because you're working globally, but they have they have problems still, you know, in, in trying to get global teams working and being in different parts of you know different time um uh zone so yeah I, I i think it's it's about time and attention and discussion not just right let's wash out a, a quick change project here to get everyone back in abby yeah i completely agree i think there's so much to consider for businesses and you know it's not going to work I, you know, it's not going to be working either way. It's not going to be a full demand coming back to the office or a full demand for complete and utter flexibility. It's a really case by case situation. I think the reality of it is that for a lot of businesses, having people in the office is really important. It's important for their culture. It's important for their clients. Um, but then on the flip side for, you know, the people working there, it's important for them to have that balance where they can be at home flexibly. And I think when people have that degree of flexibility, they are more productive in a lot of cases. And they are because they're not taking days off, like I said before, you know, because a child is sick, they're not having to take the whole day off or to wait in for, a, you know, a contractor and things like that. So it's it's finding a compromise that works. Again, I think the reality of it is that from, you know, my experiences, a lot of people um again it's kind of almost like a level or you know you know what level you're at but I think having discussions with my sister who's a finance manager she's found this with you know some people as well a lot of people just aren't that productive working from home and for some people it's it's not a suitable option it's not you know it's not the right thing so I mean one thing I found is the company I was with they kind of asked everybody what would what would they like to do and I just felt that that wasn't probably quite the right approach I think there needed to be some boundaries set and expectations set initially of look we want to kind of there's going to be have to be a mixture here there's going to have to be a compromise of coming to the office but we're happy for the flexibility of working from home as well and what balance works well because we had these discussions and we were kind of all in in little teams having these discussions and some people were no, want to work from home every single day don't want to go back to the office ever there was people like me who was like I love being in the office I mean with recruitment you know I if I make an offer or a candidate gets placed I want to celebrate that with the people I'm around like I want to have like a laugh you know if I'm having a bad day I want to be able to like vent to one of my colleagues and you know have a little bit of a pick-me-up without having to kind of arrange a team's call with them you know there's some interactions that I found you just can't do over teams and I, I'm very much a people person. I'm very chatty. I like to have that interaction in the day, but I appreciate that's not everyone's bag. And I think you're not going to be able to please everybody. 
so there's going to have to be some compromise and I mean as I said it's very case by case and you have to look at the realities of yes some people do work amazingly from home and some people just get their heads down some people don't have the you know the setup to work properly at home and they're doing their best but you know and then like I say there's other people who just it just isn't the right thing for them whether they like it or not so yeah there's definitely a lot of considerations and I think each business has to kind of consider the business needs as well as the employee needs and find the compromise and find the balance. Marianne. Honestly you both said so so much that I'm scribbling mad notes here because it's so interesting to hear your experiences and your thoughts on it and I I joined a webinar about six or eight weeks ago about return to the office um, and how we're going to manage it and something I took away from it that I thought was really useful is if you're going to go into the office have um, a reason to go into the office. Book the meetings you need to be with the people face to face. Clear your um, calendar of virtual meetings. Don't sit in the office like this, because what's the point? Don't be there then. Um, and have white space in your calendar so that you do those collaborative, um, those accidental meetings, those casual conversations, because they are so important. So I think that. Uh, we're saying two to three days back in the office. We've reduced our office space. We're hot desking. We've got um, some setups that are more sophisticated than others. Um, but we are encouraging people to come back two to three days. But I'm saying to my team, have purpose for going in. Don't just go in because that's the expectation. And if the purpose is to not be in the house, that's fun. But but have purpose when you do it. Um, I think one of the big things that we've noticed since since we're sort of starting to return to some kind of normality um there are concerns about safety you know i go on the tube when i go in and if 25 percent of the people are wearing masks i'm surprised because there is no sense at all that this is not over it and i don't think it is over so there's a bit of are we safe and we're seeing quite a lot of anxiety about that and people expressing concern particularly about the commute um we've also you know uh this the great resignation that Tracy mentioned I think that's really interesting because we are struggling to recruit really struggling and I think we're offering competitive packages uh certainly anyone coming into my team I'm very actively looking for people coming from non-tech backgrounds for women people of color for people with different um you know non-traditional tech backgrounds um I'm actively pursuing women returning from maternity leave or wanting flexible working uh, because I think you get better teams when you have diversity and you have different ideas and different perspectives. But I've offered, I've now had three offers accepted and rejected the next day because they were paid more or because there was a difference. So, you know, there's a massive shift here and suddenly the power is in the skilled worker, not the employer. And that's really interesting too. Um, so again, I think we have to offer the flexibility because we won't get talent otherwise. It's really, and if any of you know any great PMs, just send them my way, please, because I'm really struggling. Yeah, heard you. I'll put that out. I'll put your email address on the on the show notes. Um, Tracy, I think um, diversity and inclusion is a really interesting point to talk about as well because I, what I've noticed is the positive impacts of remote working. I've noticed um, a shift in gender equality in terms of gender roles in the home. So, you know, more of a shared responsibility for household um, 
uh, activities, picking up children, that kind of stuff. And I think it would be a real shame to lose that for, for everyone um, involved. I think, you know, previously uh, fairly absent fathers who were working the um, 10 hour day with the two hour commute either way are really enjoying being part of the family more. And I think it would be a shame to lose that. I think we've leveled the playing field on remote working and part-time workers. There used to be this bias that if you weren't in the office or you were part-time that you weren't working as hard. Oh, if I can't see you you're not whereas I think we all understand that no okay maybe I'm maybe I'm having a slightly extended lunch to go do something else but I'm also working until 11 o'clock at night to make sure everything's sorted so and we, we kind of now understand that and, and I think we need to be conscious to keep that disability access you know it's so much easier to hire people now when you don't need to consider the restrictions in the office and I've previously had nightmares trying to deal with with that in, a, in an inaccessible building and, and just in terms of your access to the talent pool depending on your company policy you can hire anyone in the world now and I just think that's a wonderful uh, you know exciting opportunity and one that we want to make sure we're keeping you know we want to distill down all those benefits in terms of who we can employ and who we can give opportunities to and not lose them as we say okay let's just get everyone back in the office now and go to where we were before because yes where we were before was nice it's nice to see everyone but it wasn't perfect. Abby. No, I absolutely agree on the inclusion and I do think it is brilliant and I, th I, th I think the working from home and the flexibility is really, really positive. Um, and as I said, there is a, a lot for companies to consider. And I would say one of the other things that I experienced, I think I said before, the company culture, um, our company had such a great culture. And then with the shift to remote working, we did lose that a little bit. And I think there's definitely going to be an onus on businesses now to really make sure that they're getting that employee engagement on point, that they're really taking that extra care from sort of, you know, a pro not just a productivity angle, but also from a mental health angle, um, because, you know, there are people who, a lot, you know, people who think working from home all the time is what's in their best interest, but actually you can reach a level of burnout very quickly without even realising it. And, you know, nobody's there to see it. Nobody understand, like nobody's noticing it because you kind of, all they see of you is an occasional Teams call. Um, so I think there's going to be definitely a big shift in focus on businesses to make sure that they're getting that. In, and not just sort of the sort of quarterly appraisal, it's got to be a lot more, you know, a lot more efficient, a lot more regular and definitely just a, a lot more of a focus and I know for a lot of companies it is something that they kind of are lacking in so definitely I think that's something that everyone needs to consider is how we're going to keep the employees engaged how we're going to keep people you know on track how we're going to keep people's mental health stable and how can we support our employees when they're not in the office and we can't see them and we can't talk to them every day really great and I'm absolutely loving this such rich conversation that we're having about working and the pandemic and how I wanted to kind of summarize and finish the podcast with is a bit of a toolbox so I want to ask you all individually around how we can continue to work on our relationship with work in this ever-changing world that that we're in and Marianne I'll, I'll come to you first Ollie, that's such a big question. <laughs> um, I think for me that there is a, a whole bunch of stuff in there that we've talked about. It's been such an interesting thing. There is about understanding the boundaries and what you're comfortable sharing or what you're not comfortable sharing and being true to yourself. Some people, you know, I'm very extrovert. I like people. Some people don't. You know, my partner was social distancing long before it was trending. You know, this is, you know, for him, this is much harder. Going back is much harder than stopping was. 
Um, so I think there's a bit about understanding your own boundaries, what you're comfortable with. I think there is thinking about per person, and I'm going to still trace the word intention when you are going into the office, because we've proved you don't physically need to be on site to be productive. But the company culture bit is that we had a party on Tuesday. We got everyone, got our suppliers, we got all our team in. It was a fantastic day. We need to continue to do that so that we meet people and that we, we have those personal interactions as well as this work productivity focused stuff. It's, it's a really interesting thing. It's going to evolve and continue to change. To change. We're not at the end yet. That's, I think, the, the key thing. And Abby, I'll come to you next then. Uh, for me, I think reflection is really key. I think it's it's really important to look back over since the start of the pandemic, what has changed for you, what has worked for you, what isn't working for you, what kind of fits in your life. And again, going back to those boundaries, making sure you are setting those boundaries um, making sure that you're kind of, you know, balancing out things in a way that works for you. I think one thing I would say is it's really important to speak to your colleagues, to speak to your workplace, um, to highlight any concerns that you have, to discuss, you know, flexibility and just be honest. And, you know, like I say, you can you can end up working from home and you can get burnt out very quickly. You can be isolated. You can be, you know, all these negative things as well as all the positives. And it's really important to keep those conversations going with your employers and your colleagues. If there's just one particular person at work that you feel a bit more of a connection to, make sure you're reaching out and making sure that you're not isolated, you're staying isolated and that you're, you know, not allowing yourself to kind of fall into that negative place. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me personally, reflection has been so important. Before the pandemic, I was in a place where I was, I didn't have any work-life balance. I didn't feel, I knew my little girl was due to go off to preschool soon. And I felt like I'd, you know, missed out so much. I'd worked since she was four months old. And I was very close to giving up work entirely. I was then lucky to be furloughed. And then since I've come back, I've just managed to kind of even it out and find a balance just by reflecting on what really worked for me and what what didn't what I didn't want to go back to doing. And I think that's just sort of my the key thing I would say is just use sort of what has happened and try and take the positives from it, try and reflect and try and use it in going forward to find some balance and, and find what works for you. And Tracy. Yeah, I think I'm going to build on that point, really. I think the last 18 months has been a huge slap in the face. You know, it's we've been staring our own mortality in the face. We've been forced to embrace change that, you know, if, if, if you had spoken to most tech teams two years ago and said, we're going to roll out a work from home policy in the next uh, week and a half, they wouldn't have believed you. It, it just would have been deduced as being something that was impossible. And then the CEOs and the HR teams would have been telling you it would destroy our business. So never say never, everything can change. So here at our fingertips is the opportunity to completely, and, and an invitation, I think, to completely reevaluate how you want to exist in the workplace. And it doesn't mean to say your current workplace is going to do it for you. Um, it, it's that I think we all have a personal responsibility to ourselves to not sleepwalk in, back into whatever we we end up back into because of what our company's doing be conscious do some self-reflection like abby says what has worked assess where am i at now what is you know people's purpose has shifted i've had so many purpose conversations in my 
career and life coaching side of my practice because people are realizing actually the bit I really loved about work was the three or four people I sat around but the actual work itself is not filling in my cup anymore so I need to think about what is more purposeful and meaningful to me like just embrace that you know this is a, a brilliant opportunity to do that the world has changed and you can change and progress and grow with it and you know grab it with both hands I say. Thank you very much. And apologies now if you can hear a, a, a bit of a sound outside. Um, my neighbour has decided to do some gardening. <laughs> so I apologise for that. But thank you, everyone, for your really rich conversation today. And thank you for joining me on the Speak Female podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Speak Female podcast. I've been your host, Lucy Grimwood check out the show notes where you will find contact details for the panelists that have been on this episode today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share across your networks. The more people we can reach, the better. And I will leave you with this. Be curious, be kind, and be the change you want to see in the world. Speak female soon.